This is Gail Morgan welcoming you to the Libertarian Counterpoint. Now, your host, James Just. And thank you for joining me today with, I butchered that one. Thank you for joining us today. With me is John Cameron and Richard Fields. And I told you guys this is going to be an interesting show because, you know, we're half asleep over here. Um, but speaking of half asleep, the Biden administration is moving to protect uh, the Ukrainians from deportation, which is actually a probably a good thing. I think there was a story here locally about a lady who's on vacation and she received uh, some special dispensation, not, have, not to, having to go back to Ukraine after her vacation was over. It doesn't have to be, she's not being sent back to a war zone. So I suppose, you know, that's a good thing. But the very need for this, the very- Well, it's, it's good, but it's, it's like a, it's not a half measure, it's about an eighth measure. Uh, if you if you if you arrived in the United States after March, you're not eligible. So uh, if you were arriving in the United States, you're somehow or another able to get escape the war, the actual hot war in Ukraine, uh, and, uh, and make it here. You know, yesterday, you're not eligible. Uh, that's that's nuts. Mm. Uh, and uh, the other problem is that we have a situation where most of the most highly talented immigrants in the country from day one of the country are people who have come here because they were escaping a hot war somewhere else in the world, whether it's the Irish feeding the, uh, you know, running away from the, uh, the Brits going after the Irish back uh, in the 18th century, whether it's uh, the uh, Vietnamese coming here uh, after the, during and after the Viet- Vietnamese war, whether it's uh, the Chinese escaping the uh, the Mao uh, Holocaust, you know, I don't think it's too strong a word. Uh, you name it. Uh, whether it's Latin Americans uh, trying to escape uh, criminal gangs in some of the uh, uh, countries like uh, like uh, El Salvador, for for an example, uh, we have a, a long, long, long history of Americans and the best and the brightest of, of, our, of our Americans uh, escaping to this country when we had relatively open immigration. Not to mention Jews escaping uh, the Holocaust, the actual uh, named Holocaust in Germany during and or actually after World War II. Shamefully, uh, FDR kept boatloads of Jews on a ship offshore, wouldn't let them in when the known uh, demise would happen if they were returned to Germany, namely the the concentration camps, and 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 the killing fields in in, in Germany, Nazi Germany. So we have a we ha- as a country have an obligation and an opportunity to encourage as much immigration as possible because the the best Americans are those who have come to this country because they had to or because they uh, were trying to get away from repression and bad governments elsewhere. We, we, we should allow all Ukrainians and all Yemenis and all uh, Venezuelans, you name the uh, country that's having, having uh, uh, domestic difficulties right now, we should allow them all in. Uh, mm-hmm. And we should do it without questions, without strings, without uh, worrying about the consequences, because the consequences will be all largely positive. Mm-hmm. I want to add something to what Richard said, that uh, and most of the cases that you, most of the examples that you pointed out, you could draw pretty much a solid line and in all cases, a dotted line back to U.S. 
bad foreign policy being one of the reasons that, uh, like, you know, the, the gangs in South America is are, are not because there's a drug problem there, because we have an illegal, drugs are illegal here. Um, you could you could point to, um, you know, the, the Ukrainian thing, you could point the point the or put the target right on Biden for meddling in that country. And and through his, uh, you know, you, you open, James was saying, speaking of half asleep, Biden at three quarters asleep, how, you know, he had some meetings with uh, with uh, Putin. And shortly after those meetings, he invaded the Ukraine. So, uh, you know, that's pretty much a, a clear signal that the strong man uh, figured that uh, the the uh, the the fully asleep president we, we have would wouldn't be in his way, and I also think there's probably <clears throat> call me a conspiracy theorist. Go ahead, call me a conspiracy theorist. I think there's uh, uh, you know Biden was meddling in Ukrainian politics uh, to got the uh, prosecutor that was going after his son fired and bragged about it on the floor of Congress, and you know he's he's stuck his nose in that country for a long time. And then you, you, all the other examples you named are foreign policy. Why do we even have a foreign policy? You know, that's, it's not our business to meddle elsewhere. And, and it'd be great if we didn't even meddle here. Um, you, can, you can point the finger right at us for being responsible for the problems that people are fleeing. So, uh, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. Ukraine in particular in 2014, uh, under the Obama-Biden administration, I think Hillary Clinton was uh, Secretary of State at the time, the U.S. CIA sponsored what they called a color revolution. Uh, it was basically a coup where the uh, the president of Ukraine at the time, who was uh, uh, partial to the uh, Russians, was uh, displaced by uh, a, uh, a president that was partial to the West and uh, wanted to join NATO. Mm -hmm. Now, NATO is is a largely uh, it's an albatross on our back. We should, uh, you know, the, the, the use for NATO uh, disappeared back in about 1989 when the Soviet Union uh, dissolved. But nonetheless, uh, Putin has a legitimate fear of being encircled by all NATO nations. Now, uh, Putin is a thug and Putin is a, uh, uh, a would-be uh, emperor, but that does not mean that we don't have a hand in causing the problems that resulted in hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people uh, being uh, put at risk of dying in Ukraine today. Mm. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, for me, the biggest failure of this whole Ukrainian mess is that we are looking now at a, at a rearmed EU. And for me, a rearmed EU means a rearmed Germany. And, you know, that's a, historically a bad deal. So we're going to move on from that. We're yeah. going to talk about another failure is a failure of the Bidenomics. And you know Biden we've got economics. Bidenomics. Is, I think that's is, a, I think that's an oxymoron. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, in the dictionary next to oxymoron, Biden and any uh, understanding. Well, next to next to more next to moron certainly moron, you have that too. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's he's bad on issues where Trump was bad. You know, he's bad on issues where Trump was good taxes, and where Trump was you know sometimes good, sometimes bad things like regulation. He's terrible at. So where is he good? You know, that's okay. I think we have to have about 10 seconds of silence right now in answer to that question. No, five well, will do. Yeah, 10 seconds is too long, but we get the point. There's we can't find anything that he's actually accomplished in foreign policy, domestic policy, 
uh, economic policy. There's nothing is better than it was a year and a half ago. Well, well I will say this. He did a, a, a really poor job of getting out of Ukraine, but getting out of Ukraine was the right move. Afghanistan. I mean, I'm sorry, Afghanistan, Afghanistan. Getting out of Afghanistan should have been done. He did a, a really poor job of executing that uh, exit, but getting out of Afghanistan was the right well, thing to do. Well, it was the right move, but he completely botched it, which is kind of... <laughs> you even poor a bad name, Richard. <laughs> to do the right thing the wrong way, it's, it's, it's kind of... Is that going to be the legacy of the Biden administration, trying to do the right thing the wrong way? It's... Hmm. it's well, here, see, I, I I disagree that he hasn't been a, a very uh, an extremely effective president, and that his economic policies haven't achieved what he wants. We're uh, you're operating under the assumption that the goal of his economic policies is to help uh, the the people of the United States, but he doesn't care about the people of the United States. People of the United States are basically the means to the end to help all the special interest groups. So that they can take from them, get their permission, their tacit permission, because, you know, the powers that we let be, we let them have this power to, to print and take money from one group of people and give it to his cronies, give it to his industrial cronies, give it to the teachers unions, give it to the hospitals, give it to uh, a, a greater and greater level of bureaucracy and control amongst the governments. Uh, and continue all these favored programs that that throw an economic monkey wrench uh, into uh, you know open trade and even a hint of capitalism. So he's accomplished everything he wanted to accomplish. He just has said that he wanted to accomplish something else. When we all knew what he wanted to do was, uh, you know, create basically a welfare state. Uh, pay the states that that got him elected, which is California and New York, change the tax system to support states with high taxes by allowing federal write-offs so that they'll continue to elect his socialist party or whatever you want to call it. So he's he's achieved a magnificent job doing what his uh, intention was, unless I'm giving in too much. I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure that he has all that much bad motive. I, I happen to live in a, uh, a retirement community that has three, actually four levels of care, independent living, which is where I am, at least so far, mm -hmm. uh, assisted living and then uh, nursing care. And then the fourth level of care is what's uh, euphemistically called memory care. And mm -hmm. I'm sure that Joe would fit in very nicely and get along very nicely with the other folks in memory care. And he would be welcome there. I would welcome Joe to memory care with open arms. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. No, go ahead, John. No, I'm, I was just. I was going to. I was going to skip skip topics. So if you've got one less thing to say on this, you know, I was going to let you say it. Nah. Yeah. Now, what we're talking about, economists. I can't speak today, economists, and <laughs> and the failures of policy. When you look at Baltimore, you see the failures of school policy for decades, and now they're warnings of a life of despair for Baltimore students are behind in reading they read it like they're graduating students read it like a third grade level it's insane how do you graduate from high school a student who can't read dr seuss i don't understand how we've made this connection but here in places like baltimore and and these other political machine cities and states have the same problem where the education system is failing and more and more we're starting to parents and 
you know, non-parents alike are starting to realize it. So, well, you know, I'm not sure that's a failure. Dr. Seuss is now on the uh, woke hit list. He is, he has been, uh, been canceled if, not, if I'm not mistaken. So not being able to read Dr. Seuss is in today's uh, uh, woke uh, age, uh, probably a good thing, but, but seriously, uh, we have a, a, a public school system that, or a government school system that serves one, government one, one aim. And that is to keep, uh, teachers and more, even even more than teachers, administrators uh, fat and happy. It's done a, a tremendous job of keeping uh, school administrators and school teachers uh, on the gravy train. It has done a lousy job of uh, educating students, and it's been doing it for the last fifty hundred years. I mean, it's it's just been gradually getting worse. It's sort of like the uh, the frog in the uh, simmering pot of water. We don't realize how bad it is until the water uh, comes to an actual uh, boil and 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 uh, kills us. Uh, and that's what's happening to our education system. We are gradually and then very quickly uh, extinguishing any benefit that it has at all. And Maryland, Baltimore school system is a very good example of that. But you don't have to look as far as uh, Baltimore. You can look at pretty much any school system that's not in a very, very exclusive high-income neighborhood. In exclusive high-income in neighborhoods, the schools are still good because the uh, the PTAs and the parents and the uh, uh, the community won't allow uh, the uh, school system to be as bad as it is uh, in 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 middle-class or, or lower-income neighborhoods. In the in the lower-income neighborhoods, it's it's a disaster. It's not going to change because good teachers won't go there for the most part, and the uh, money follows population as opposed to following results. And the population continues to, well, at least maintain itself, in some cases actually grow. And so the dollars keep going in, uh, but they're going into a, an endless pit, a bottomless pit that, uh, that where nothing good happens. And uh, the only thing that's good, good that's happening as far as education is concerned is we're seeing a, 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 a massive, really uh, growing exodus from, from public schools, government schools, to private schools and homeschooling. And that's got to be the saving grace of this whole subject. I, I uh, apologize to our hundreds of thousands of viewers for having left the camera for a minute. I wanted to grab my phone and look this quote up. By now, I had, should have it memorized. It's uh, by one of the, the uh, philosophical founders of libertarianism, Isabel Paterson. And I want to read this quote. There can be no greater stretch of arbitrary power than is required to seize children from their parents, teach them whatever the authorities decree they shall be taught, and expropriate from the parents the funds to pay for the procedure. And, um, you know, in the past, I, I went to a pretty bad high school in a poor area, uh, but I was lucky enough that they, they still had... Uh, honors classes and I, I, you know, did well until, you know, the, the, uh, the wild hit, the wildness hit me and then, you know, I didn't do so well, but uh, the opportunity was there. And, and I got, you know, up until the middle of my senior year in high school, pretty good education. You know, I took Latin, uh, I took honors, uh, chemistry and physics combined class. Uh, I took uh, four years of pretty well-taught mathematics 
so the opportunity was there. But the, I don't think really even the problem is with the teachers. You you mentioned it earlier, Richard, that the growth of the the administrative cost of schools and the growth of the cost of pensions and the growth of the power of unions. Um, there is I don't think I've I've ever seen an organization do well other than one. Uh, that was massively unionized, and that's Southwest Airlines. Um, you know, they're the most highly uh, unionized airline in the country, yet one of the most efficient operators. But in that case, um, you know, the, the unions realize, realize that, uh, you know, it's in their best interest to make sure the airline's profitable. And uh, so, but there is no accountability for teachers in schools. I mean, unless you commit an actual felony as a teacher and probably in the classroom, they're not going to get rid of you. There's, there's no punishment for you doing a poor job teaching. If you're on a factory and kept turning out a defective product over and over and over again, um, you'd be fired. Your boss would be fired for allowing you to turn out a, a, a defective property. And this is a way more the, the factories that produce people capable of being self-sufficient, which is our schools, the necessary skills, you know, the reading, the writing, the arithmetic, the ability to, uh, to critically think, the ability to present themselves, an understanding of, of you know, economics even. Richard, were, was there an econ class in, in your high school, do you remember? Are you kidding? I grew up, I grew up in rural Minnesota where... The, uh, my graduating class was uh, 42. Uh, no, there was not an economics class. And I don't think that uh, uh, economics is, is taught, at least not today, in even the, more lar even the larger school districts. Yeah, I don't and if know. it was taught, we'd be learning you know, Keynesian nonsense, which yeah. uh, is uh, counter uh, economics. I, mean, it's, well, I think Keynesian, Keynesianism would be an improvement on what uh, on modern monetary theory. Well, they, they taught me home economics. I did take home ec. <laughs> well, I did too. I did too. I, did I did you learn how to bake, bake a pie? No, but I did learn that I was the only guy to take that class. Which was a smart, <laughs> which was a smart move. <laughs> now, I, I I call it bachelor preparation for life, but I yeah. it was I think it was actually labeled it was labeled home there. This was yeah. only like fifty years ago or something, and I learned you know the basics of cooking and you know something about ironing and I don't know remember what I what I was taught because. You know, well, they didn't teach us how to balance a checkbook they, yeah. in home ec. They didn't do that. They taught us how to make a budget, how to make a house budget, and how to balance a checkbook. And no, they didn't teach me that. Yeah. Uh, so, so that I had a good home ec teacher. See, so, so the individual teacher can still make a difference, but the problem is we have good teachers plugged into a completely broken system, and even and now we see parents are rebelling against that system. As Richard pointed out, there's an exodus of parents. The parents are speaking up at board meetings now. Being, you know, even under the threat of being called a domestic terrorist, even yeah. and even under threat of being called a domestic terrorist, they're still speaking up at board meetings. Yeah. They're starting to get in, more involved. You know, a lot of mothers are now starting to get involved in running for school board because they're tired of what's happening. But teachers are now starting to leave. Now, teachers have always had beginning teachers. Those first three years have always had a high turnover rate. But now it's the longer tenure teachers are starting to leave. They're starting to leave for private schools. They're starting to leave for independent teaching where they teach a pod of, of kids their own 10 kids or whatever and so they're even teachers are deciding that this system is so broken that it's time to leave mm -hmm. and so maybe there's some hope that the that a new system will come will be invented will pop up or that the old system will crumble and we'll have to mm -hmm. have to change 
but you know, I don't know. That's the only, that's kind of a, not a very good strategy, is it? We're hoping everybody leaves so that it gets bad enough that they have to force the change. It's just, yeah. It's, I mean, the, the, the tragedy of that is that a whole lot of people, a whole lot of kids will uh, suffer uh, in the, uh, in, in the remnants of uh, government education and mm-hmm. simply not get educated to any, uh, appreciable extent at all and uh, lead to, uh, you know, be thrust into uh, lives of crime and squalor and, and uh, non-productiveness. Well, there, are, there is a little bit of great news. I think, James, wasn't there on, on our subject list today talk of a, a, a federal judge um, saying yeah, I that... I teed it up for you there, John. What's that? <laughs> yeah, we teed it up for you. I appreciate it. <laughs> There's a, a, a very, very good public interest law firm, Pacific Legal Foundation, that, that wins an awful lot of individual liberty uh, cases. And, you know, in, for, in full public disclosure, Richard and I both worked for them in, in development fundraising uh, some years ago. And they won a court case in, I think, Fairfax, New Jersey, where the... Um, Virginia, I thought, but whatever. Virginia, you're right. You're, yeah, there's... Yeah, New Jersey's probably beyond hope. Um they uh, they had an outstanding school, uh, very similar to oh I must be tired I can't remember the name of the school in San Francisco. Uh, God, it'll come back to me right it's after. Thomas time. Jefferson School in in Fairfax uh, County, and it's I think the top public school in the nation. Yeah, which is saying something. Now, uh, this this kind of abomination. What they did was that uh, this school was. Uh, uh, in, in, in order to get in, you had to be the best and the brightest and prove it uh, through testing. Uh, I think you also had to have uh, involvement in, in community and, and good grades wherever you were. And, and because of that, we can predict who the greatest demographic, uh, the, the greatest majority of the demographics in the school were. They're Asian kids and children of immigrants. It was a minority group. Minority group. Yes, and the school was so, a bunch of immigrants for the yeah. most part. Or some, children of or immigrants. Children yes. of immigrants. As is always the case in the same kind of schools that they had in New York City, and they screwed those up the same way. They've there there's public schools in New York that have their own. Uh, these are public, well, government schools have their own testing that you have to get into, and it's highly competitive. And uh, it was almost completely post World War II, and a little bit later. Uh, about 61% or 60% of the students were Jewish immigrants who came here uh, uh, to better themselves after the Holocaust. And one of the other reasons it was so good that a bunch of the instructors were Jewish who had fled with with, uh, wonderful um, uh, intellectual degrees and great training and experience uh, they came here and were locked out of a lot of jobs they should have been in, able to get into and taught in these government high schools in New York. And these government high schools produced 14 Nobel laureates. These aren't private schools. These are publicly funded schools. And this Thomas Jefferson High School, the same thing. Uh, the, the idiots, you know, the powers that we let be decided that the, the school uh, misrepresented the demographics, uh, demographics of the community and put in basically racial quotas, which any last time I checked are patently unconstitutional and illegal in this country. The, the parents were up in arms, Asian parents, and we're not putting up with this. 
took them to court, and guess what? The court said, yeah, patently, uh, you broke the law when you installed these racial quotas. Go back to doing what you were doing because that's what you were required to do by the charter of the school. So there is some good news out there. Uh, there, there. There are schools that are paid for by tax dollars. They do an extraordinary job. And those schools have high standards and high accountability and high parental involvement, just as Richard said. So some good news. Yeah, well, there's some good. The, the issue is we're trying to solve an issue of racism by having involving racism. It's kind of it's just stupid on its face. We're going to solve the historical racism by focusing on race and engaging in racism. It's like. I don't even understand the thought process. How how we get here? Hmm. <laughs> how do you get to that point where, where someone if you said we're going to solve racism by engaging in racism and we're going to have less racism at the end of this? It's like no, you can't. Your racism plus racism equals more racism. It's just how it works. Hmm. And you know, if if, if it, maybe you could argue if it made the schools better, but it's not making the schools better. It's not making the communities better. It's not making anything better. It's just making everything worse. And I think, um, again, this is the, the cynic in me. Uh, yes, I am a little cynical on, on government programs. Um, the, the, um, the duopoly in this country has, uh, depends on having people be incensed about something at all times in order to vote from either fear or hate. You know, the, the Republicans uh, throw up the specter of immigration and which, you know, we've gone over and over this immigration is wonderful for this country and immigrants make us better. And they always have uh, this country's greatness has been on the backs of generation after generation of immigrants. And on the, the, the uh, side of the blamocrats, it's, the race card, racism, 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 racism. If you can get people to believe that they are the, the victims of racism, then they will keep voting you in office. And that's why we have this abortion of a school system that we have because of this fight. And, um, you know, it's, you know, there's supposed to be two sides of this duopoly, but they aren't. It's, it's all, let me make you afraid. Let me make you upset. Let me make you angry. Let me make you mad. And then you'll let me do what I want to do. Uh, well, here's the thing, John, that, that it's actually kind of worse than that because they're actually not getting you to vote for them. They're getting you to vote against the other guy. Yeah. And so they don't actually have any support. They don't really have popular support. What they have is they're not the other guy. Mm. You know, 25, 30 percent of the people support, you know, candidate A or candidate B from the Republicans. only 30 percent. So you have to get that other 20, 21 percent to, you know, to push over that over the 50 percent yeah have just, we have we have presidents like biden with a, what 38 percent approval rating but at least he's not trump yeah well yeah. I, I remember and i think it was uh bill maher was talking prior to the election and i'm starting to like that guy again and uh he said yeah all these these people are running on you know i'm not trump well a lamppost isn't trump either and you wouldn't vote for a lamppost so oh, we did we did we voted for a, a pretty dimly you know, the bulb is almost burnt out on that lamppost. And anybody who's watched, has been forced to watch any of his speeches, I tried to watch one of them and I just said, you know, I'd be, I'd be better informed if I hit myself in the head with a hammer. Um, and so, you know, we, 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 what is that saying, Richard or James, if you remember it exactly, the, the electorate gets the, uh, 
gets the uh, politics. The government that they deserve good and hard. Hmm? Gets the kind of government they deserve good and hard. Oh, E.T.L. Mencken. So I gotta, I gotta remember that quote. That's perfect because we're, you know, we're we're getting at this point when you're so disengaged uh, or so poorly self misinformed that you will believe what these people are telling you and that they have your best interests at heart. Then you deserve being governed good and hard by them. I think I said that without breaking any laws. Uh, well, we're going to break our time, so we are out of here. We want to thank you guys for joining me today. We want to thank you all for watching us. You can check, find us next week, and please remember to love everybody. <laughs>